welcome to the Reinvest Podcast, a podcast that is based on building confidence for you to manage your personal finances and the ministry finances that you've been entrusted with. Welcome back to another episode of Reinvest Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, John Brummett, and I'm joined today with Chris Compton, and today's topic will be about filling out your taxes. So it's a topic that everybody loves to uh, to look forward to each year, and we'll talk through kind of the changes that have happened this year and get into you know the uniqueness of what ministers face and how that differs from just your individuals who work a secular job or or working what we would classify as a normal job. Uh, but let's get into it, Chris, and and talk a little bit about uh, taxes and how it affects the world that we live in. As everyone probably knows, tax season is upon us. And so it's appropriate topic for us to be uh, discussing. And again, this year, as it was last year, perhaps a a blessing to all, however you you view it, that the tax day has been moved from April 15th to May Seventeenth, uh, so it gives a little extra time if you're one that likes to put it off a little bit, or you dread the the day of filling out your taxes, especially if you feel like you will owe some money. So I think that may help some individuals get things ready uh, to move that uh, day forward. Yeah, the procrastinators that were always procrastinate to. Uh, April 15th before they file. They'll, they're just procrastinating now until uh, May 17th. I, I have I've known several people who are like, oh, I gotta I gotta get it in, gotta get it in. And uh, the day sneaks up on them faster than they expect it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to touch on the the topic of the day, the the fact of the day. And so know what you need before you start that process. And, and when I say that, I'm, I mean, have all your documentation put together, keep it in a folder so that whenever you have to fill out your taxes or you, you take it to someone to do your taxes, they're not asking you for other stuff. It, it makes it a lot less stressful when everything's in one place, you know exactly where it is. It just makes things a whole lot easier. And, you know, a lot of us face anxiety when it comes uh, to taxes. I'm not exactly sure why that is that everybody faces. It's like a built-in thing. Like when you talk about taxes, people just get anxious about it. I think it may be because, you know, it's, it's a system that not a lot of people really understand or are very familiar with. Like they know that they have to pay taxes and they know that they're due at, you know, April 15th and stuff like that. But I don't think that like, most people really have in-depth knowledge of, you know, what it takes to do your taxes or fill out your taxes and stuff. And so I think that causes a little bit of the anxiety when it comes to, to dealing with that. I will say that if all you have uh, when it comes to your taxes is a W-2, then just do them yourself. Uh, you can go to any of the online resources. It gets more complicated whenever you have, um, self-employment and you have uh, W-2 wages and you have uh, rental income and housing deductions and things like that. That's, that's when it gets a little more complicated, but you know, if, if all you have is a W-2, then 
you can do that yourself and it's pretty easy and it saves you some money to, to do it that way. Yeah, I think one of the things that people may get anxiety over is just they have this, I guess, perception of the IRS as, you know, they're out to get you, they're out to take your money and uh, they're out to just uh, come after you if you don't do things right. And I've not had a whole lot of experience personally with IRS, but I have had, have had to have some conversations about some things and, you know, I found them to be very helpful and I don't see them just coming, knocking up on your door and things like that. So we have to pay taxes and you're right, being prepared and getting things ready ahead of time and starting at the beginning of the year for the next year, just putting things in, in order in place, but also when it comes time for to actually do your taxes coming up here, if you're going ahead and doing them now or wait till you get closer to May 17th, is having that stuff together, I think will help, as you say, will help get keep things in order and move it along quicker and maybe help relieve some of the, the stress and anxiety about getting it done and getting it completed. Yeah, and some some of the things that you need to have. So when I say you need to know what you need. So some of those things are you need to have your W-2s. W-2s are due out to you by the end of January. So like by the end of January, you should have received all your W-2s for the places that you work. You also should receive any investment income uh, that you have. Now, this doesn't include retirement accounts or things that are deferred when it comes to, to the taxes that you pay on them. Uh, but it would be like certain bank accounts. If you, if you earn enough in interest, uh, then they'll send you a 1099. If you made a withdrawal from a retirement account or something like that, you would get a 1099 for that. Now, if you had, you know, a rental property or something like that, that you're getting income from, then if it's yours and you're not going to get a statement on that, but it's still reportable. And so you need to have those numbers and things like that. But I mean, you should get those forms in the, in the mail, the ones that are being sent to you from out from outside providers, all of those you should have by, I think the latest one that can come is like the first of March. And I think that's for like a partnership investment. If so, if you were a partner in a partnership or something like that in a, in a larger firm, then they would send you out, uh, I think it's a K-1, then you would get that later in the in the close to spring. But for the most part, all your documents are going to be like right the first of the year. And so when you get them, just, you know, open your folder up, stick those things in. One of the other things that you're going to need to do your taxes is you need last year's tax re- return. That's to make sure that everything kind of gets supported over. Uh, if you had any carryovers or anything like that, all that is needed for the for this year's taxes. If it's your first year filing taxes, then all you need is your W-2. And so if you are new to all this, then it's pretty simple. You'll get a W-2 from your employer. If you had multiple jobs in the year, then you'll get multiple W-2s from the different employers. But that's really all, all that you should have uh, when you first start out. And so just put all that stuff in the folder. So whenever it comes time for you to actually sit down and, and do your taxes, it's all right there. You know that everything's there. You're not missing pieces or worried about what if I forgot this or something like that. You know that it's all there. It just makes it easier and makes it a lot less stressful uh, on you for, for when you file your taxes. 
And two, if you have that stuff already put together, why wait, you know, to go ahead and file your taxes? You know, why wait till the last minute? Some people may because they feel like, well, we're going to owe, well, and, owe money. Well, and, <laughs> and one, one of the things is when you, when you fill out your taxes, you don't have to file them that the day that you get finished with them. Like if you see that you owe money or whatever you have until that the day that it's due to file to be able to file that. And so that's, that's, those are people that usually wait till the last minute is like the ones that actually owe money back to the government. But if you're getting money back, then most of the time you're going to fill those out early and yeah, <laughs> and get your, get your money back. And so, but and it may but, be a good idea if, if you are the ones that consistently year after year are uh, owing taxes, then, you know, maybe you could sit down with a tax professional or someone, uh, an advisor that can help you look at your, your tax liability and, and maybe you can increase your withholding or do something so it doesn't create that stress and anxiety and the worry about, oh, I got to pay this big money. If, especially if you've not got that money set aside, you don't have it, you know, saved up. And so maybe you can do something proactively for the next year, go ahead and get started, you know, withholding more or uh, setting aside money in a fund or something to, in case you think you may have a, a situation change coming up that, that you may end up owing more taxes. Yeah. Most people that owe taxes, it's mostly because they're not having enough withheld uh, and so usually that comes down to your W-4 that you fill out when you first start working at a job. They'll make you fill out a W-4. And most people don't know exactly what they should put on that. And so they'll they'll fill it out based on their current situation. And so if they have kids or they have something like that, then they may put more allowances on it than what they need to. Um, if you were single when you first started at that job and then you got married, then it, it could flip your rate. Uh, I think one of the things that a lot of people don't, and I wish they've changed all this this year, they, they had a new W-4 that came out this year. And so uh, it could correct a lot of this, but if you had uh, your W-4 and you had marked it as married, the, the way that the old W-4 read it actually made it sound like if you were married, you need to check this box. But what it really meant was you, you were the single provider of your household. And so that would mean that you were holding out more taxes for, cause it was supposed to be you and your spouse that you were covering with your taxes. But the way most people work today, the husband and wife are, are working both like they're both working. And so you should file your taxes as single at the single rate married. Um, so because your spouse will be taxed as well on theirs. And so that way it kind of adjusts the amount that's being held out. And so that, that kind of helps, uh, you get to the end of the year without having to pay, uh, taxes. And so, and that's usually the harder part It's usually not hard to get the money back. It, it's usually harder to to pay it because most people don't have the money set aside ready to go you know once you get into more investment type uh, situations where you have investment accounts or you know, rental income or something like that then that's whenever you could 
have to get into additional withholdings and things like that because that's going to bump you. Your revenue side is going to be higher than what you're actually reporting throughout the year because you'll report all that at the end of the year. And so that will make you owe. But those are all things that, again, you talk to your accountant or a tax professional and they'll help advise you on, you know, what's the best way of setting that up so that you come to the end of the year. Uh, I usually tell people if, if I'm doing everything the way that I sp- I'm supposed to, then at the end of the year, when I file my taxes, it should be zero. I should get no money back. I should not have to owe anything. And that way I, I'm good, but I've never had that happen. <laughs> I've, I've always been one way or the other a little bit, but you know, that's the goal. And, you know, one thing that you know, think about with, you know, taxes and no one wants to pay more than they have to pay. But, you know, taxes, you know, they do provide some, some benefits for us that with services and, you know, think about our firefighters, our police response, all those different things. So, you know, as I look at it personally, I'm just like everybody else, you know, you don't want to, you want to pay what you got to pay, but you don't want to pay any more. But, you know, I've had this conversation, you know, with my children and they've asked questions about, you know, why do we have to pay taxes? And so it was a good teaching moment to, to explain, you know, yeah, no one likes to pay taxes, but there, there are, here, here's some of the benefits of it, talking about, you know, our, our uh, policemen and our firefighters and things of that nature that, that we benefit from to help protect us and things like that. And so it's a good teachable moment. And maybe if you have children out there and, you know, we, we talk about a lot of times, you know, with our finances and how we can raise up children and kids to get them on a good, solid, solid ground. And I think part of that uh, discussion can center around taxes and, and, you know, the proper role of taxes. And, and, I, and I think it's important to talk to your, your children and the next generation about taxes and the reason for them. You want to make sure that you are getting the services that you that everybody needs to provide for, you know, roads and things like that. But you also want to make sure that you know why it doesn't get out of control and stuff. And so, and that comes down to like voting for your politicians and things like that as the ones who are actually controlling these things. And so I think, you know, letting your kids know and the next generation know how all that stuff is interconnected just helps to make them a well-rounded adult whenever they get to voting age and stuff like that, that they know you actually have control over, you know, some of the things that get passed and stuff like that so that you can, you can vote the way that you need to vote to, to make sure that's still under control and we're not getting out of hand with stuff. So transitioning a little bit, I know that we could talk just about general taxes and stuff for everything, but you know, we are a a ministry based podcast. And so we're going to touch on sort of like the church world with taxes So when it comes to minister taxes, so these are people who are ordained by the denomination or their governing body to be a minister of the gospel. And the IRS has strict rules as to what qualifies as a minister of the gospel. And so if you have that, then you are set apart as a federal employee for your federal tax purposes. So all your federal taxes, you are considered a employee of the church. But when it comes to your social security and Medicare taxes, 
they consider you as self-employed. Now, that's different from, say, just, you know, the, the guy who works at the factory down the street who is a regular W-2 employee who has his federal taxes withheld from his job and he also has his um, Social Security and Medicare taxes withheld from his payroll. In those situations, you pay for half of the Social Security and Medicare and your employer pays the other half. Now, on the flip side, that's because you are a employee of that organization. When it comes to a church and a minister in particular, the minister is considered a federal employee, so your employer can withhold the federal tax if, if, they, if you want them to. But then when it comes to your Social Security and Medicare, you are responsible for the whole thing. So instead of you paying half and your employer paying half, the IRS says that you are responsible for the whole thing because you're self-employed. So that means that you would pay the whole percentage instead of just paying half of it. Now, most churches will go ahead and pay the, the half that they would if they were if you were a regular employee. The problem with that is that then becomes part of your compensation, which then is taxable to you, which increases that amount a little bit more that you owe taxes on. And so it kind of makes it a little bit trickier when you're trying to figure your taxes and stuff. And so that comes in with just being a minister and being ordained. Chris is an ordained minister, so he could probably speak a little bit about the complications of when you're trying to figure it and stuff a little bit more than I could, but it's something that we see a lot of uh, ministers and, and really tax professionals struggle with uh, because if you've not been exposed to how that works, then you can throw a tax professional for a loop uh, trying, to, trying to explain it to them as exactly how the IRS views an ordained minister. Yeah, I've had many conversations since working with the Board of Retirement with churches and financial administrators at churches or treasurers, whoever is working on a pastor's W-2, or even with, with pastors trying to understand this, this very thing. And it, it can be complicated, understand this dual tax status of ministers being an employee for federal income tax purposes, but self-employed for Medicare and Social Security purposes. But I think once you get a, a handle on it and understand how things are, it doesn't have to be that difficult. And, and churches can assist, you know, ministers in a great way to help, you know, lessen some tax liability in lots of ways. You know, we see, as you were saying, we see some who offer, uh, because the pastor has to pay the full 15.3% of their self-employment taxes, that they will give them this extra compensation uh, offset, if you will, for half of that self-employment tax. And it just basically becomes added income to their overall taxable income for the year. And they just have to figure out, you know, their taxes on that. But it is a big help because, you know, 15.3%, you know, of a salary, that can eat away from a lot of a pastor's salary. And so I think that's a good thing that churches ought to consider if they have room in their budget to do that. But understanding that, you know, that is just still extra, extra income that they have to 
provide, you know, as, as taxable income on, on the W-2. And again, if you have someone in your church that's a tax professional, CPA, or someone outside, always seek, you know, that guidance and help from, from them. We have, as I mentioned earlier, we have resources online that can be of a benefit but having someone that, that can guide you in that can be, can be helpful. But when it comes to the individual, we have seen a lot of times that if you're going to get someone to do your taxes, I, I would verify and check with them to be sure that they have a good understanding and they are used to doing minister's taxes because it can be complicated and you want to be sure that they, they get it done right and that your taxes are done right. Uh, from a you know just from an integrity standpoint but also just because you want to do it right and and know you know what your benefits are and that you don't pay more than you need to pay but you do pay what you you ought to pay and i think one of the other areas that ministers taxes run askew from most people's is with the housing allowance. Ordained ministers have a housing allowance benefit that they can take advantage of if the church uh, chooses to put that into place. Uh, this is a portion of their income uh, that would be tax exempt from their federal income tax based on being able to use that as for housing expenses. So basically you have to justify the, the part that you're actually using to run your household, but you're allowed to count that off of your taxes. That's one of those things where it has to be um, forward looking. It can't be retroactive. And so uh, getting your church or having your church set that amount at the first of the year for that year allows the minister to be able to count part of his income as housing allowance and help help him on his taxes that way it's one of the greatest financial and tax benefits that a church can provide for for a pastor is is the housing allowance and churches have to designate this although a church body or leadership council can request from the pastor an estimate of what their housing expenses may be but but it's the church's responsibility with official action to designate what they, what they want to pay, you know, the pastor as a housing allowance. And, you know, it does save, you know, the pastor a lot of taxes that they would have to otherwise pay on that portion of their, their compensation. However, as we get back to this dual tax status, uh, although they don't have to pay the income tax on that portion of the housing allowance, it does, have to be included when you're figuring up the overall tax liability with the self-employment taxes. So that that portion, the housing allowance, in addition to the uh, regular salary portion, has to be added together to figure out what the self-employment taxes would be. And just going back to the housing allowance being designated by the church or the church body, that has to be recorded in the minutes uh, of the church. So basically, if, if you are just sitting around, like if your church is just sitting around, they say, yeah, you can have that as housing allowance, but it's not written down anywhere. The IRS, if you ever get audited, the IRS is not going to recognize that as being a clear designation. And so it needs to be recorded in the minutes of either your leadership council uh, deacons meeting or, or the church body meeting that it was approved and that it was designated as 
as whatever set amount that they had it for. Yeah, for, for more information about the housing allowance, you can check out our website at reinvestfwb.com. And there's a section under financial education that, that talks about housing allowance and specifically gives you some examples of how a, a church can uh, record that in the minutes, the pro proper wording, or give you examples how you could word uh, that, that official action to put in the minutes. So I, I encourage you to check that out on our website. Well, I think we've run out of time uh, for today's episode. If you need more info or have questions about any of the topics we talked about today, you can reach us at info at reinvestfwb.com. Just shoot us an email. We'll be happy to answer uh, anything that we can. If we, if we don't know, then we can at least point you in the right direction. We appreciate you guys taking the time to be with us. We hope that this has been helpful for you. Again, if, if we can help you in any way, please reach out. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks. The information and resources shared on the Reinvest podcast are intended solely as financial education and assistance to pastors, church members, lay leaders, and boards, and is provided with the understanding that the Reinvest podcast and the Board of Retirement is not rendering legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice or service. Professional advice on specific issues should be solved from an accountant, lawyer, or other professional. Thank you for listening to the Reinvest Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at reinvestfwb.com. Please subscribe to the Reinvest Podcast through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and more.